This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Good morning. Good morning. By golly, it's a rainy morning here in the man cave. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly man cave of the Warthog Command Center in north central Florida. Soaking wet. I'll get into that in a little bit. We're in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, sponsored by On the Spot, uh, on our instruction, Lacasio uh, uh, Allstate, Poser MD, uh, and on and on. I'll cover that at the bottom of the hour, I hope. I don't want to leave anybody out. Style cuts. Uh, and by the way, thank you, thank you, thank you, some of you who have donated, as you know who you are, I see your name, uh, uh, to the show, because every bit helps us give you a good production. Um, we are, of course, uh, recommending to have a cup of coffee. And if you get coffee, get CaliberCoffeeCompany.com. And if you buy coffee from CaliberCoffeeCompany.com, be sure to say code WARD15 for 15% off. There you are. Yes, and the and we've got. I'm gonna give you a a little blurb here. We're under a tornado watch here, and um, wind's blowing around pretty good outside. We got almost three inches of rain in the last 24 hours. Well, no, actually, 12 hours. Well, let me see. Well, from the time about nine o'clock last night to now, um, so we could lose power. We have a backup generator, but. That won't be the issue. That would be the Internet. So depending upon if that happens and when it happens, a production who is not in the same city I'm in probably won't lose power and will take uh, uh, the proper course and make the proper announcements. Well, well, well. Um, the title of today's show, Leadership. And that comes off the list what we've come to call the Ted Yoho list of must-do. You know, everybody has a, should have a list, a must-do list. And we have six things on our must-do list if we want to pull it together in the United States of America and quit it from being the divided states of America. We have six items on that list. Number one is a debt. Nothing seems to be getting done about the debt. China. China's China. The border. Maybe a little something getting done. The old adage, too late, too little. Election laws. We've abused that 
extended that out way too long, made it far too easy to be less than accountable. And then the two on the list that I've come to think really are at the fundamental level of disrepair. We've got to do something about the Obamanization of America and how we have this leadership void. By the way, we're getting pretty heavy rain here right now. So I, I picked leadership today to look at. And let me just give you a local. I know not all of our listeners are from this area, but the issue is the same. It is with law enforcement. Now, ever since George Floyd ramped up the popular attack on law enforcement, it has become more and more difficult to put together an effective police organization. Now, here locally, we haven't gotten into this much, but we probably will. We had a sheriff, Clovis Watson Jr., who came into the job and began reorganizing it. I know the man. He's been in leadership positions before. So staff organization is not new. He's also been in law enforcement. He's also kind of a no-nonsense type of person. And he began to make what he thought were appropriate changes in the staff. And all of a sudden, there's holy hell being raised. The liars get involved. The little clicks and things that are Law enforcement is notorious for little groups and uh, little rumor mills and jealousies and combined with, honest to God, frustrations and underappreciation ramped up by George Floyd and all that stuff until we come to a memo that I want to take some time to go through with you, but here in the city of Gainesville, about the Gainesville Police Department, which in the newspaper article, in the Gainesville Sunset by Nora O'Neill, she starts off by saying employees at the Gainesville Police Department say they have staffing, safety, pay, and leadership concerns. Well, what does that leave? Staffing, safety, pay, and leadership. That's the whole bellywick. They don't feel appreciated. Well, do a ride-along sometime, and you'll understand that. No, no. Seldomly 
are you ever appreciated when you're riding around in a cop car? Leadership in the article in the Gainesville Sunset is the first item brought up. GPD's lack of leadership. Bad communication by leadership. A lack of respect for civilians by sworn officers. I don't know about that one. No strategic direction for GPD. I can believe that. Consequently, the frustration is high. Operations and pay. Compensation and benefits. So the Des Moines feel overworked and underpaid. Guess what? Compared to the Elachua County Sheriff's Office, that the state attorney just ran out of the job. Just ran that sheriff out of the job. Everything we hear was a state attorney had convened a grand jury to look into whether or not the relationships with staff had been legal. One of the things this doesn't mention is the union. The union is another administration. We avoided the union at the college like crazy. You don't want two administrators. You got the administration of the college, and then you got the administration of the union. You don't need both. In K through 12, it's the union. Health insurance cost. The cops are complaining about they can't cover that, and rightfully so. That's been taken over by the government. A lot of people getting screwed in that deal. The culture, there's one now. They feel the complainers. Now, you always have to look into the complainers. There's favoritism, nepotism. Long-time employees, and then the magic word, issues with equity. That's the kind of sleeper in there. Do you recall here locally that the previous sheriff, Sadie Darnell, marched in the Black Lives Matter parade? The Black Lives Matter are notorious cop haters. The football coach, Mullen, marched in the Black Lives Matter parade. Stay on the football field. Stay off the street. So all of this amalgam, potpourri, 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 of cultural chaos and the blame game and the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then throw in the beef about the dogs and throw in the beef about the helicopters. You know, the communist city commissioner 
And by the way, somebody said, well, she's from Cuba. Why isn't she, you know, pro-democracy? Well, you know, the Cubans that took over Cuba are as bad as the people they complained about. They're rigid as can be. They're Marxists. So if you have a Cuban here on the city commission that comes from that group of Cubans, you got a worse deal than before. All this in a city that lost control of its power plant because it wouldn't listen to the people, wouldn't listen to science. Now, here's the actual memo. It's from Cynthia Curry, who's the city man, the current city manager. City managers change worse than the weather. All they got to do is get crossways in the road with a simple majority of the commission, and they're gone. Well, Curry has written a memo, which we have a copy of, to the police chief, Lonnie Scott. And I'm just going to go through some of this stuff. I mean, it is it is four or five pages long. You got to be kidding me. Trainees make more than the trainers. Retirement issues. 20 years and out should be brought back. Nothing about that, but it's a dangerous job. Guys get in it because they can get out of it earlier with full retirement. But you know, the sheriff of, of Marion County six or seven years ago told me before George Floyd, that he couldn't get quality people to apply to be a deputy. This is before George Floyd. Marion County, by the way, happens to be a huge county and also has the burden of policing the Ocala National Forest, which is loaded with trouble. He said he had to lower his standards. Take more questionable characters into the job. Then factor in the city commissions and the county commissions. The county commission of Alachua County hates the Alachua County Sheriff. I don't care who it is. They'll put up with Ganey right now because he's an interim. And you wait. Somebody will complain about the jail. But anyway, they complain about the commission. Doesn't support them. No kidding. Look at what you've got. Look at where these people come from on these commissions. You talk about the definition of naivete. These commissioners have no training for the job. They feel passed over for opportunities. Well, there aren't that many. 
Okay? The workload is too much. There's staffing shortages. Yeah. There are pay benefit issues. Yeah. They want to take the cars home. They're arguing about what the radius is. Department leadership. No strategic direction. I want to underscore that one. No strategic direction. Because you'll be amazed at who I'm going to talk about in a moment who's being written about because of that very quality in his leadership and that is strategic direction. But this leadership at GPD has been also accused of bad communication. Lack of training for some of the things they're asked to do. No strategic direction. And there always has been favoritism. It really has. Let's be honest about it. Some of these guys who get in a position of leadership, I'm going to tell you the truth, can't write. You think I'm lying. They don't work. A sentence starts and a word stops. There's low morale. I'm not reading about the Alachua County Sheriff's Office. I'm reading about the Gainesville Police Department. Alachua County Sheriff, Thomas Watson Jr., near as I can tell, reached the age of retirement, age 65, and says, you know, why am I beating my head against this? When I got nobody in my corner. Why am I going out and trying to turn things around? Maybe you can't turn them around. Maybe it takes a whole cultural turnaround. There are grudges in the department, according to the memo. The lack of confidence in department leadership. Decision making is emotionally driven. No kidding. Listen to that one. Decision making is emotionally driven rather than data driven. Could be could be a word. Scientifically driven. Logically driven. When you say decision making is emotionally driven, you could be talking about the school board. You could be talking about the commission itself. It seems that is really, you could be talking about the United States. That's the memo. I didn't go into every word of it. Now, this may surprise you. 
and take a sip of this caliber here. This may surprise you. I've done several pieces on this gentleman already, some in Coach Hall's locker room. But this I'm putting over in the class today on leadership. This is a Wall Street Journal article, quite a lengthy one, that the opinion page writers have taken a good look at. And the title of this article is what Deion Sanders can teach CEOs. Now, the police chief is a CEO. The chair of the commission, the mayor, the CEOs. So why is it that everybody is studying Deion Sanders? Because he's also suffered a defeat. His team got defeated. How did he take that? Carter Pate I never heard of the gentleman who specializes in corporate restructuring at Price Waterhouse Coopers. Then he went on to be the chief executive of MV Transportation. He always cautions, hang back, be careful of how much you hype if you can't back it up. On the other hand, confidence is absolutely key because people need to believe that you know which levers to pull, whether you really know or not. Carter Pate. But sports leadership, in the opinion analysis here, doesn't always translate over to how to run a business or how to run a police department, how to run a city. But Deion Sanders has taken, according to the analysis, a chief executive's approach to cleaning house and rebranding the program. As a refresher, you probably know he inherited a team that won a single game last year. He overhauled the Colorado roster by capitalizing on a relatively new rule that lets college athletes transfer without sitting out for a year. So the guys didn't have to sit out for a year to come there. His resume himself, of course, has instant respect. And legendary former players don't always become good coaches. And almost none of Sanders' players, on top of that, are as gifted as he is. So what has he done? Well, he's created a motto. Look good, feel good, play good. 
Pate now sits on the three public company boards, a longtime Dallas Cowboys season ticket holder, has studied this guy. Sanders, if you recall, played nine seasons of Major League Baseball and ran track at Florida State. How has he used that? Well, Pate studied him and says, number one, he's confident yet critical. He said recently in a post-game news conference, wonderful win, but played like hot garbage. He explained that he was pleased by the outcome, but he felt that his players' effort and discipline were lackluster and that he refused to accept mediocrity. Pate says that his organization, which studies executives, reveals about Sanders something about his brand of confidence. It isn't about a cocky feeling Paint says, of inherent superiority, but rather a belief that you're capable of greatness through hard work. Now, take that line and put it over in the Gainesville Police Department. Hard work. Now, if the Gainesville Police Department, if the Los County Sheriff's Office can't recognize and reward hard work, then you have a problem. Because Pate says, if you look at a business turnaround, you come in and set really high expectations, which Dion did, and everybody thought he was crazy. But you have Duke University's basketball coach. You have Belichick before his latest fiasco. They all understand the work ethic. So also, Sanders is described as a benevolent alpha, a leader who earns subordinates' trust by showing he cares while holding them to his high standard. Is Lonnie Scott holding him to his high standard? In his defense, is the communist commissioner on the city commission who doesn't like canines and doesn't like helicopters undermining him? That can muddy the water. But Pate says Be assertive in a way that spreads confidence to others. But if you're too domineering, and that is is something that some people don't know. If you're too domineering, it will have the opposite effect. Interesting that the CEOs are studying the leadership style 
of Deion Sanders. That tells you that leadership is leadership is leadership. Because the leader, if you boil that all that down, has high standards, exudes confidence, is critical, but not domineering. I don't know what's going to come out of the memo from the city manager to the Gainesville Police Department chief, particularly when you factor in all the mud and muck that the seven commissioners will throw in the pile. And look at the nation. Where's it coming from? Do you have a strategic plan? But Dion, it's to win all the games. What's our strategic plan? We talk about as a nation, the moral leader. I don't know what that, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything because we don't do it ourselves. Dion's done this stuff himself. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files with Ward's weather, and we have survived so far the tornado watch. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Stop Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. 
Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward Scott's Weather Report, by golly, brought to you by Lewis Oil, Chevron Fossil Fuel. Well, we've had a drenching rainstorm here, much needed, three inches almost uh, since early last evening. And uh, this rainstorm, according to AccuWeather, has been brewing for a while in the Gulf. And is a tropical system. And it's uh, going to bring some localized urban flooding. Going to bring a few tornadoes. We're currently under a tornado. Watch here. Uh, we're going to have stiff winds. Uh, let's see what else we're going to have here. And this thing is covering, looking at the map here, all the way from Brownsville up to Houston, Montgomery, uh, Tampa, all the way down to Miami, but the heaviest area is coming right through where we are here in the piney woods of north central Florida. It's a uh, extreme rainfall that uh, is occurring with a slow, stalled tropical storm. So we'll get through it. As I said a little bit ago, though, if we lose power here at the command center, uh, we've got power back up. But we have to reboot internet, and uh, we'll take that as we come to it if we come to it. Well, the show today has been talking about leadership because not only does it seem to be on everyone's mind um, in the world, especially since these uh, situations have um, come upon us again in the Middle East. You know, depending upon your Sunday school lessons and all that business. Um, you can go all the way out to the book of Revelations. Uh, you can go to any Sunday school class in Christian religion probably and hear about Armageddon, uh, the fire next time, the Middle East kind of being the hot spot, the Holy Land. And I learned one time in listening to people uh, who knew about these things, that one of the things that the Jewish people did was they uh, wrote everything down. They were great storytellers. And they wrote it down. And they have a saying, show me where it's written. And then when I got into anthropology classes, you know me, I never wanted a major. I just wanted to go with really good professors, whatever course they had. I learned that a culture that is written will always dominate a culture that is oral. Because the oral culture, it might rem depend on its shamans, 
um, grand lecturers. But they don't have a library, a repository. And since they don't, they don't have anybody they can train to go read and interpret those and defend them, that which is written down. In other words, lawyers. Lawyers can refer to what's written down, even refer to precedent, and then establish and look out into the future and argue that the future should be like the past and all that kind of business and link it together with the written word. So apparently that was one of the smart things that the people did who wrote their rules down, wrote their stories down, and told their stories of creation, all of which, of course, gets interpreted and argued about. So you have that one set of rules, and then you have this Muslim set of rules. They don't meet. They don't match. Each is believed as fervently as the other. And it's complicated. They live in the same part of the world. It's not like all the Muslims were in one part of the world. All the Jews or Christians, Judeo-Christian, Yahweh, were in another part of the world. They're actually right there in the same part of the world. So they have to get along. Getting along for human beings is pretty tough. It's probably tough for anything in the, you know, I'm always mindful. I've told you the story before. Up off the coast of Maine, there's a bird sanctuary. You can only get to it by boat. And when you get to it, they give you a stick about a yard long to hold above your head because one breed of bird attacks you. Doesn't want you on the island. And if you didn't have that stick, they would actually fly down and hit you in the head. But they fly down to the level of the stick and then fly up. And you'll be walking in a line along the path and you'll see all these birds flying down to the sticks that the people in front of you are holding and then swooping up. You don't dare let that stick down. If you let the stick down, then you're going to get clobbered. And these birds are pretty big. And they're little birds, too. They're puffins on there. You can't see the puffins back in the rocks and all. But we came through all this stuff. I think I've told some of you all this story before. And we came out to a little area where one part of the island was separated from another part of the island by a body of water. And on one part, there were nothing but white birds. Good morning, Eddie McShann. And on the other part of the island, they could see each other across this body of water. We're nothing but blackbirds. And so I asked our guide, I said, what's going on here? I mean, they look exactly the same, except one bird's white and one bird's black. They're about the same size, a little bit. He said, they can't stand each other. If a white bird gets over to the island where the blackbirds are, Blackbirds kill it. 
If a black bird gets over to an island where the white birds are, the white birds kill it. It's just birds. And by the way, where I am here in the command center, I'm near the forest. I've never noticed before how many battles are going on among birds. I mean, from everything from the hawk to the egrets to the crows to the wrens. I mean, they're everywhere. The mockingbirds. My God, they're everywhere. Sometimes you look out there and you think you're looking at a fighter, a fire, you know, some kind of fighter battle. Because they're all here clumped together in the same trees, over the same pasture. And the black birds and the white birds on this bird sanctuary island are all on bird sanctuary island together. Except they've learned to separate themselves. But in the Middle East, we can't separate each other. They're together. And they have two different or at least often interpretations of things. I mean, I had I have Palestinian friends who are uh, Christians. Christians. Now, in other words, they're New Testament. Say New Testament's different from those who believe just the Old Testament. So you got that. And they're all together. But they don't believe the same parts of the book. Of the same book. On the same island. Now, as near as I can tell, the United States tried to fix all that and create a United States. Except they couldn't figure out what to do with the black birds and the white birds on the same island. So they created separate but equal. I was alive for separate equal. I mean, I, you know, I, that was, I was alive for that. But you know, does it work? Will the separate but equal work in the Middle East? It didn't work on the bird sanctuary island. They they stayed on their own part of the island. They didn't. But then factor in us. The birds didn't want us, period, there. It wasn't a white bird or a black bird that strafed us, by the way. It was yet another bird, bigger than either the white bird or the black bird. And they hated us. They didn't want human beings on. And the puffins, they just wanted to hide in the rocks and be left alone. So in researching this, I went to Reuters. Now, Hamas is not Palestine. And that's one of the things. It's like another bird's come in there. Trying to figure out a way to think about this. 
And I've had a lot of Palestinian students at Santa Fe. And of course, I've had a lot of Jewish students. And this is not so much a territorial dispute. Want my land back as it is a, I don't like you, you, your version of being a person. I don't like your gene pool. So the Palestinians can be caught in this conflict. Just like when Hillary Clinton says that everybody who votes for Trump is a cult member. I wonder what would happen if you took her language. Because what she says is that cult should be eradicated. That cult of Trump should be eradicated. I wonder what would happen if you took her sentence and just took Trump out of it and put Jews in it. It's the same logic. If you are Jewish, put the word in there. Put Take her sentence, what she said. Maybe we can find it for you. Not now, but we'll find it. What she said. And take out Trump and put in Jews. Or Take out Trump and put in Palestinians. This woman wanted to be president, ran for president twice. Seven decades of war, according to Reuters. Israel being founded in 1948. There are people today we don't even believe there was a Holocaust. And you wonder why we don't have people in education to know anything. When I was a kid, I went hung out at the library a lot. And man, I remember I'm going to tell you what I remember. Reading about Lampshades made out of Jewish skin. I read that. That was in our library. They let us read that. The only thing they ever took out of the library, as I told you, was when me and a couple other guys found the National Geographic magazine with the topless ladies from Tahiti. They took that out. They wouldn't let us see that. Now, so we get it. Israel established in 1948. Then, from henceforward, black birds and white birds don't want to get along. And in 1967, I'm thinking back now about these wars. Israel made a preemptive strike against Egypt and Syria. That was called the Six-Day War. Israel had occupied the West Bank, the Arab East Jerusalem, and then it, which it had captured from Jordan and Syria's Golan Heights. Been there ever since. Do you remember 
when Anwar Sadat tried to once again fix it so black birds could go to the white bird part of the island, white birds go to the black bird part of the island, so to speak, with Mahak and Begit, and his own troops passing in review. I think Jimmy Carter one took took uh, credit for that, if I remember right. His own troops passing in review stopped their armored personnel carrier and gunned him down and everybody on the stage with him. You remember that? In 1973, Egypt and Syria attacked Israeli positions along the Suez Canal and Golan Heights. And that, be, that began the Yom Kippur War. And Israel managed to push both those armies back within three weeks. Now, once upon a time, when my mother was alive, who lived to be 107 and a half, and she probably was in her 90s then, and, and you know, I've learned much of the Bible from her as she tried her best to civilize me. Um, we were discussing the Middle East. And I said, Mother, maybe the best thing for the United States to do is to stay out of it and just disassociate itself from the Israelis. Boy, she came up off the sofa. and She said, you can't do that. You share a common spiritual book. You share a common spiritual book. You've heard me talk about this. Martin Luther King, a Christian minister, shared religion with the whites. That's what enabled Martin Luther King to shame the whites into realizing I'm a Christian and you're a Christian. Why, when we share the same belief, do we not share the same island? His classic essay, Letter from Birmingham Jail. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. It's a fantastic piece of writing. But when he was assassinated, I knew right away we were going to have problems because the Black Panthers are Muslim. Muslim. They don't have the Christian belief that King was able to actually Act. You know, none of King's bodyguards had weapons. None of them had weapons. You're in the hands of the Lord. So, Israel invaded Lebanon in 1982. When I was in the classroom, we knew what country was having problems because their best students would show up in the classroom. And I remember about 1982, 
we had these students from Lebanon show up in our classroom. Beautiful people. Multilinguistic. Got in that classroom and settled down and bam. Were the best students in the class. They were the creme de creme. The civilized Lebanese. They got overthrown by the crude people out of the streets whom we've not been able to, we can't educate because education becomes a restraint. If we can't educate the young people in the streets, be they black, white, brown, if we can't refine them into intellectual disciplines, then they're going to the street and they're going to do it crudely. And depending upon how frustrated they are is how crudely they'll do it. It'd be Turkey. It can be anywhere. It can be in the hood. In 1979, Egypt and Israel ended 30 years of hostility when Arafat and Mohammed Rabin, well, it's Prime Minister Rabin, shook hands. And that ended up costing Arafat's life. Where do peace efforts stand now? Go back to your leadership issue and see if you've got clear objectives. Clear clear objectives. Or are you just kind of knee-jerking your way through it, waiting for the next big issue to come along? To which you will have another knee-jerk reaction. I have one more piece of documentation here that I researched. And probably you all should do it too. Go out and try to figure out. This is Alan Durkowitz. He was Jewish, I'm sure. His analysis. So, There are no claims, he says, that the Palestinians have been repressed or don't have the right to exist. He said the Palestinians have been offered statehood and independence on numerous occasions. And he lists the numerous occasions, and you can look them up to see if he's calling it right. He says Israel ended its occupation of Gaza Strip in 2005. Even now, though, Palestinian leaders refuse to sit down and negotiate a reasonable two-state solution. Two parts of the island solution. Furthermore, according to Durkowitz, Palestinian leadership allied itself with Nazism and Hitler in the 40s and with Egyptian tyranny and anti-Semitism. 
that didn't help the issue. In 1967, according to Dirkowitz, the Arab nations threatened to destroy Israel. That didn't help the situation. Dirkowitz says that the Palestinian people themselves have suffered more from the ill-advised decisions of their leaders than they have ever suffered from the actions of Israel. You know, that's a very good point. We have too. Our poorest border we're suffering from because of the ill-advised decisions of our leaders. We'll pay for because of the ill-advised decisions of our leaders. It is a problem that unfortunately is deeply rooted in the human condition. That human condition. If those birds on that island had their way, and we didn't have that stick, and we didn't have a boat to get out to it, and I remember the seas were pretty rough in the North Atlantic. Uh, we wouldn't be allowed on that island. Those birds would keep us off. Thanks for listening to the class today. I'm trying to figure this out myself. I'm using you all as sounding boards. Hopefully you'll shed some light on it for yourself. Have a great day, and we survived the tornado watch so far. Warthog Command Center out.